New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Say go New York, go New York, go. Hey everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast on Macastillo with Chip Murphy. And a quick reminder, the episode one of the Knicks State of Mind podcast can be found at EliteSportsNY.com under the radio section. And also a reminder for the Knicks fans, tomorrow is the draft lottery, so we will finally know exactly where the New York Knicks are going to be picking. And the Knicks... Today, they chose who would be representing them at the lottery. Chip, you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, Matt, a bit of a surprise. Uh, the Knicks revealed today that Walt Clive Frazier will be representing the team. They're hoping for a little luck from their legendary player. Well, the Knicks are going to need all the luck, so I hope Walt Clyde Frazier and his, his style and his, his, his presence can give the New York Knicks a little bit of luck now. I saw something today, Chip, that kind of was interesting. Uh, right now, the New York Knicks are seventh to pick. Obviously, nothing is finalized until those ping-pong balls come and reveal it. But going into it, the Knicks are projected to be the seventh pick. And yeah, four times... Since the draft lottery has happened, the team that's supposed to be seventh ends up getting the number one pick. And I'm pretty sure I've seen the percentage of that. It's like a 3% chance, 5% chance, or something like that that's going to happen. But it has yeah, happened five, four times. Yeah. Yeah. And the last time, Chip, it was in 2014 with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that was the year that they got Wiggins and traded them to the Timberwolves for Kevin Love. So worked out pretty well for them. Oh, yeah, it worked out great for them. Just a couple trips to the finals and, you know, going to be the third straight finals. But, you know, so maybe maybe some magic will come the New York Knicks way. With our luck, Chip, I I think you agree with me. There's just a dark cloud that seems to be over the Knicks, and I'm not trying to be so negative here, but we get stuck with, like, the 14th pick somehow. It's just scaring me. I don't think you're – yeah, I don't think you're being negative – at all. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks the Knicks have the best odds to get the seventh overall pick. They have like a 57% odds to get the seventh pick. But I think we're all expecting them to get the uh, lower than that. I mean, the Knicks have picked uh, seven times in the lottery since Patrick Ewing. And since then, they've only moved up in the lottery once. I mean, that's just crazy. Well, even even the year so, that they they got Przingis, the Knicks were expected down, to be, yeah. what, the second pick of that draft? And they moved to the fourth pick, yeah. which we can't complain. Worked out great. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me with the dark cloud that's over the New York Knicks. So, again, that is tomorrow. It will be official. And since we are talking about the draft lottery and we're talking about the NBA draft, last week was the NBA Combine. Draft hopefuls displayed their talents for the scouts. And, Chip, there's no change in the report saying that the New York Knicks are looking to draft a point guard. So, Chip, I'm going to ask you, there's a lot of talented players in this draft, a lot of guys that could have an impact right away for a team, um, and especially at the point guard position. 
who do you think would be the best fit for the New York Knicks if they were to draft the point guard? Well, if they were to draft a point guard, obviously the dream scenario would be for them to move all the way up and get Marco Fultz or Lonzo Ball, but that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a pipe dream. So the best case would be De'Aaron Fox. Yes. That would be the best case. The, the kid from Kentucky who said all the right things at the Combine this week, he uh, talked about playing with Borzingis. He said he would love to play with Borzingis. He talked about how he, for some reason, even liked meeting Phil Jackson. Who knows why? But yeah, he's uh, trying to get drafted. So, he, yeah, he's got to kiss up to Phil Jackson. Yeah. He, yeah, that's all that is. Nobody likes Phil Jackson at the moment. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't think so, but, you know. But, uh, but maybe, I mean, his. Kurt Rambis does. We know Kurt Rambis does. Oh, they're best buddies. Yes, that's true. That yeah. is one person on the planet. And obviously James Dolan is fascinated by Phil Jackson as he's going to, you know, extend his contract, pick up his option. So, you know, but we'll get into Phil Jackson a little bit later, actually. But, yeah, um, yeah De'Aaron Fox, I, I agree with you. Again, it's all going to depend where the New York Knicks pick. So that's why tomorrow is glorious that it's finally going to be known. And that can help the Knicks now focus or, or pinpoint exactly what players they're actually realistically going to have a chance to get. Um, you know, like you said, at the top of the list, you'll have uh, Ball and Fuller, uh, or Fultz, excuse me. And those guys most likely will not be there, obviously. And it, point guard wise, I like De'Aaron Fox, Chip. I, I don't know about you. Um, I like him more than Malik Monk, who a lot of other people think that the New York Knicks might draft, um, who was Fox's teammate at Kentucky. But to me, I think Darren, uh, De'Aaron Fox would be a great fit for the Knicks. What I like about him, Chip, is, yeah, he his only freshman year at Kentucky, he averaged 16 points a game, uh, 4.6 rebounds, and, and 4 or excuse me, 4.6 assists and 4 rebounds. But what I like about him is that he is a solid perimeter defender. And that's something the New York Knicks yeah. lack. Nobody on their team plays defense. Um, so that that's one aspect that I really like about De'Aaron Fox. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, Chip. Did you see where uh, John Calipari said that he believes Fox can become the next John Wall? He did say that. That's been the comparison since he stepped on the court at Kentucky Mm -hmm. because of his speed and his defense and his playmaking ability. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not, John Wall's not really a scorer and uh, De'Aaron Fox isn't really a scorer, which isn't even an insult. So, you know, a lot of point guards are scorers now first, like Russell Westbrook, James Harden, they're scorers. But John Wall, uh, Isaiah Thomas too, Isaiah Thomas. Mm -hmm. But uh, De'Aaron Fox, Made a lot of plays for Malik Monk this year, and you just talked about Monk, who is also an impressive prospect. But yes. yeah, I'd I'd rather I agree with you that I'd rather have Fox than Monk. Although I do like Monk, yeah. I saw ESPN an ESPN report compared Monk to uh, Jamal Crawford, which if he could be Jamal Crawford, uh, a star off the bench like that, my God, I. That's about the most you can ask for. Oh, yeah, especially if somebody like Fox uh, is off the board. 
you know, to get somebody like Monk. What I like about Monk is he, he's a terrific outside shooter. That's something that Fox is not. Uh, he, he, he yeah, needs that's to, what worries. That's yeah. the only thing that worries me about Fox, that he doesn't have the shot. That's yeah. worry. And I I mean I would recommend for that young kid just to live in the gym this offseason, getting ready for next yeah. season and just shoot the basketball to your arms fall off because uh you know yeah. the three point shot is so huge in the NBA now. I mean you rather the way the game is, you rather somebody take a three point shot than a layup even. I mean you can just ask the Houston Rockets. They they jack up more threes than anybody. Right. You know, Stephen Curry, the three Not point that'll shot. Work. What, what was that? Against San Antonio, though. No, it didn't work out well for San Antonio. Our one they face San Antonio, but you know that's the yeah. that's just the way the game has evolved now. That it's so heavily relying on the three point shot, and I think Fox shot twenty four percent from the three point arc for the Wildcats. That so sounds about right. Yeah, he 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 has a lot of work to do when it comes to his outside shot. But that's something I believe that over time you you can develop into a, a more consistent shooter, and um, that that is somewhere that I think if Fox is going to be successful at the next level, he's gonna have to develop a jump shot. He obviously can score the basketball. He's obviously good at attacking the rim and finishing around the rim. Um, you know, free throws another average kind of percentage, 73% from the line. So his shot in general is something that has to improve. But I would love for the New York Knicks to draft Fox if they were to take a point guard. That That's who I think is a more realistic choice. And that is somebody that I, I think could have an impact for the Knicks. Do you, do you agree with that, Chip? Absolutely. I think, but to the John Wall comparison, you're talking about the three-point shot. John Wall, as a rookie, averaged less than 30%. That's a great point. The that, is point a, line. that is an excellent point. And the, last two, and the last two years combined, he shot a little less than the league average. He shot 34%. So if you put in the work, I mean, like, uh, and as a rookie, he took less than two attempts from three. And the past two years, he's taken almost four per game. So if you put in the work like John Wall did, you can improve from the three-point line. And you're going to have to because John Wall realized he had to. And look at the steps he took this year. My God. Yes. I mean, if, if you can get a player that has an impact like a John Wall, if you can get a player that can turn yeah. into that, I mean, that, that can be a franchise-changing player. And Chip, I'm going to change it just for a second. Kind of, if you can have any of these point guards in this draft, you know, no matter where the Knicks are picking, you got your pick of any of these point guards. Who would it be? Uh, Fultz. Fultz for sure. And Fultz we'll... can. Fultz is the total package. He can score, and he can uh, set up teammates. He makes plays for others. He makes guys better. I don't understand why everybody's saying like Lonzo makes guys better. I know he, I know he does, but Fultz does too. Fultz is a scorer, but he also made guys better at Washington. Just yeah. because his teammates were bad doesn't mean he wasn't setting them up. And yet yeah, he was a bad free throw shooter. He shot under sixty-five uh, percent, but he made his three. He shot over forty-one percent from three, and he was taking five a game. He's a physical beast. Too. He's got a 6'10 wingspan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he averaged over 
six assists a game, over six rebounds a game for 40 minutes. I mean, God, he's almost, he's, I think a little over, yeah, a little over six, four in shoes. Yep. But still, I got it. That's impressive yeah, that he's only 19 years pack, old. Like dude. I said, the total package. Yeah, 19 yeah, years 19, old yeah. and, and puts up those kind of numbers. Now, I, I think Fultz is, is an excellent point guard, and obviously I think he's going to be somebody that is going to be a, a successful player at the next level. If I had to choose, I would actually pick Lonzo Ball. And really? I, I know right now he has a bad rep because – of his idiotic father, who who may be the most well crazy person on this planet. <laughs> but I, I I've watched Lonzo Ball a lot uh, this season. You know, I, I saw the team that they had at UCLA. I actually thought UCLA was going to win the uh, the national championship. But obviously, my bracket did not do very well. That's a different topic, for oh, a different day. Them? But, oh, yeah, I picked them, and part of it was because Lonzo Ball. Uh, and I, I think, you know, when you look at his numbers, 14.6 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. I mean, that, he's averaging nearly a triple-double as a freshman in college. Yeah. And I just – I think he can do that at the next level. Um, now, his father – scares me i think his father is going to concern a lot of other organizations and perhaps those organizations are going to tell him that his father cannot be around the organization i I would not be shocked if he gets banned somehow some way from the the craziness that comes out of his mouth but you know and you can't argue about faults you can't i mean guy is unbelievable but i like to see point guards do more than just be able to score be able to just create for others. I like the point guards that get in there, get rebounds. I mean, I look at it and I see somebody like Jason Kidd, just a, a all around point guard that's that got his comparison, hands. Yeah, and that that's who I see with Lonzo Ball. And, and I know he's a little bit taller than most point guards. Um, it makes me question. You know, he's six foot six. Some of these bigger guards typically are, are going to be covering shooting guards. I wonder if he could match up against an NBA point guard with the speed that's in the league. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's triple-double potential with Lonzo Ball. So if it was up to me, he would be the point guard that I would I would take a chance on more than Fultz. And I know Fultz is like right there, right there. You can't go wrong either way. But I, I would take Lonzo Ball. That's just me. Uh, the, yeah, the thing I like the most about Lonzo Ball is he's so smart. Like, he doesn't make mistakes, even as a teenager. And he, and as the, about that, about how smart he is, he, in transition, man, he was so good in transition. I'm on Draft Express right now, and I'm looking at this. It says, in transition opportunities, Transition opportunities accounted for nearly 30% of Ball's offensive possessions for Synergy Sports, and he maintained a 4.1 to 1 assist-to-turnover ratio. Wow. Dude, that's crazy impressive. (laughs) Like, that, like you mentioned, that's like Jason Kidd good. That's, yeah, he's definitely going to be special, for sure. I you can't, know. Yeah, you just can't, you can't go wrong with either one but, of those guys, I, I don't but believe. Yeah, like, 
I was just going to say, you can't go wrong with either one. And I think any team except for the Lakers is going to take Fox. Yeah. And, and the uh, Lakers will take uh, Lonzo. And, and Ball, though, though, has the ugliest jump shot I've ever seen. I don't know how it oh, goes God. in. It's, it's, it's ugly. Yeah. I am. I mean, like Kevin oh. Martin, ugly. I have not. I have no clue how oh, that God. ball goes Kevin in, but Martin, it goes in. Yeah, <laughs> it's ugly, but it I works. Know. So don't change it. Don't change it at all. But great shout out, great shout out, <laughs> <for> Kevin Martin. <laughs> really quick before we wrap up this first segment, though, you know, the New York Knicks might be needing a point guard, but. Let's yeah. say some of these other guys are available. Let's say Josh Jackson of Kansas or, or Jason Tatum of Duke. If they are still available no matter where the Knicks are, let's just say if it is seven, would you consider Ooh. taking one of these guys being maybe a possible replacement for Carmelo Anthony? Because who knows how long he's for actually going to be there. Or, yeah, Carmelo Anthony. Could he? Can these guys be a possible replacement for him if they're there? Well, we talked about the popular comp for uh, De'Aaron Fox is John Wall. The popular comp people are making for Tatum is Mello. Mm. So, and I feel like a lot of that might have to do with his, uh, the fact that he's not a very good defender and he's not very athletic and he needs to improve. He's not very explosive either. But he, man, he can. I feel like his offensive game isn't really that suited for uh, the modern NBA. He's really an isolation player. I watched him a lot in college because I'm a Duke fan, and he's an isolation scorer. They isoed him a lot, just like they did with Brandon Ingram and Jabari Parker, and they put him on the elbow. Like, you know what? Like the Knicks do with Carmelo, or like maybe like. More accurately to say, Carmelo does whenever he wants to, <laughs> I guess is to say. But they take him, and he, you know, he took too many threes, probably. But if I had a choice, I would, between the two of them, I would say take Josh Jackson because, well, let's face it, the Knicks are a horrible defensive team, mm-hmm. and Josh Jackson is an awesome defensive player who, from all accounts, look, what's the first thing everybody says about Josh Jackson? Oh, he can guard four positions. He can guard one through four. And, look, you can teach offense for the most part, and I think Carmelo Anthony is pretty good evidence that if you can't play defense when you come into the league, you're never going to really learn to be a good defender. So I think you take the kid who can play defense and hope that he becomes a pretty good offensive player. And that's Josh Jackson. So I, I agree with you. I go you. Josh Jackson over Tatum. I agree with yeah. you there. I, I, Tatum is another guy that I actually seen live. I went to uh, Duke and uh, Wake Forest game back in January. And um, Tatum at that point was – he was playing all right. Um, and, and like you said, spot on with his defense. Uh, the whole Duke team didn't, didn't play defense. And, and um, you know, it was right around that season. point. They did they don't. They didn't play defense. That's a big part why they didn't go as far as talented as a team that they were. So I, I definitely hear what you're saying that he's not a very good defender, and he does settle for a lot of jump shots, and, and I guess some of those hero shots as well, which are not great shots to take. Um, and I will say this though, right around the ACC tournament, 
he was definitely playing some of the best basketball of anybody in the country. Um, so you definitely oh, can sure. see yeah. a lot of potential with him. But I 100% agreement with you that, that Jackson would be the better player to take um, if one of those guys are available. So would you take one of those guys if a Fox was available or um, if the, the kid from France Fox? or no. Monk? You wouldn't. You want to take Over those guys? Fox, I would not. Okay. Over Fox, I would not. Um, over Monk and Frank Nilakina, I would. I would take Jackson over both of them for sure. Okay. Uh, I'd have to think about Tatum, but look, I, I'm always weary of the international prospects. But these, because I haven't seen much of them. Yeah, that's the thing. But, I mean, these scouts, you know, these guys have seen much more of them than we have, so they can make better judgments. Uh, you know, we hadn't seen anything of Porzingis. Exactly. That's why he was booed. Uh, Nobody knew who he was. You know, everybody wanted the yeah. Knicks to take somebody that they've seen uh, play in college and, and to make them feel a little bit better. So yeah. just because you don't know much about them doesn't mean they're not going to work. But, you know... I agree yeah. with you. I, I'm if I'm the Knicks and I have a chance to draft somebody like Fox, that's who I would take because the Knicks need a point guard. Yeah, they haven't had a point guard in years. The question about Fox or, or any point guard really is: Would they be able to run the triangle offense? And Fox even uh, talked to reporters about that at the combine, uh, talking about his meeting with Phil Jackson. Said they didn't even come up. But they asked him about the triangle offense. He says he knows nothing really about it. But if he got drafted by the Knicks, he would come in and he would learn it quickly. So I like his attitude with it. But we're going to have to wrap up this part of the the segment or the first segment. And and we'll be right back after this short break. And we're going to discuss the D'Antoni comments about Carmelo Anthony saying that he was the reason why he left New York. So we'll be into that in just a second. Hello, everybody. Mac is still the co-host of the Nick State of Mind podcast and contributor to Elite Sports New York. You can follow me at Twitter at MattyDiesel15 to get my latest articles, videos, and podcasts. Make sure to follow Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well at Elite Sports NY and the rest of Elite Sports New York's social media pages to stay up to date to all the New York sport news. Hey everybody, welcome back as we move on to our next segment of what Mike D'Antoni said about Carmelo Anthony. But before we get into that, Chip, you you had a correction that you wanted to make on something you said in the first segment. Yeah, uh, I actually, I said that the Knicks have picked seven times in the lottery since Patrick Ewing in 1985, and I said that they moved up from their pre-lottery position once, and they actually haven't moved up any times. They've either stood pat or moved down every single time, which includes 2008 when their pre-lottery position was fifth and they moved down to sixth, and the fifth pick in the draft was Kevin Love. Hmm. That's <laughs> just, you know, and then you go to the next year's draft, if, and everybody thought Curry was going to become a Nick. That didn't work out. Oh, God. I think we took Jordan Hill, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Knicks legend Jordan Hill. Mm, he lasted two months. 
Yeah. And then to make it worse, a few picks later, you know, DeMar DeRozan, just uh, the draft nightmares with the New York ah, Knicks. DeMar DeRozan. That would be a pretty good, interesting uh, podcast right there, Chip. Don't you think we could talk about all the heartbreaks in the, in the draft with the New York Knicks over the years? That would be a great one. We could do that. That would be a nice little draft preview leading up to the draft. Uh, all the misses. Definitely. So I think I think we're giving them a little tease of a podcast later on to come. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's and then we can get some fans and you guys wanted to join and tell us what you think. Some of your Nick nightmares because I'm sure there's a lot. But let's go ahead. I think Jordan Hill has to. Yeah, is he even still in the league? Because I doubt it. If he is, he's on somebody's bench. I was an awful. I think he rode the bench with uh, the Timberwolves this year. Yeah, he rode the bench with the Timberwolves. I mean, I'll give him great. He's sticking around. He hustles. He plays hard when he gets his very little minutes. But man, that that's still. I I really hate talking about that draft. I got laughed at by my friends. You know, because I thought Curry was going to be a Nick. Man, just tragic. Oh. But let's just move on now to the Dan Antonio comments about Carmelo Anthony. If you haven't heard what he said, um, he made comments about Carmelo Anthony being so difficult to work with and uh, was the big reason that he left New York. And Chip, I'm kind of curious. What what do you make of this? What are your thoughts when you when you heard D'Antoni say this? Well, I tweeted out after. You know, we always suspect, and I'm a big Mellow fan, so I was really talking about myself. But I said we, and I love D'Antoni too. But we always suspected something like this. But it's really just jarring to hear it from D'Antoni himself because we don't want to believe that Carmelo is capable of something like this, but it turns out he is, you know, and because D'Antoni has no reason to lie. And once again, it's not like Melo came out and denied it because if it was a lie, Melo would have said, no, this dude has, this dude's just a liar and he's making this up. And, you know, he, he didn't do that. So, or Melo's teammates would have done that. One of Melo's teammates. Like Jr. would have done that or something, or uh, Amari. But I'm, uh, yeah, it's. I'm just curious of why he's coming out with this now. Why all of a sudden make these comments about Carmelo Anthony? That that was the only thing about me that I was kind of like. That was years ago. Why is he talking about Carmelo Anthony? Maybe he should have focused a little bit more on the Spurs. I want to be knocked out of the playoffs. I mean, that's what I was thinking the entire time. Um, and and Chip, it was funny because last week's episode, you talked about it. You you talked about Carmelo Anthony being known as a, a person that teammates necessarily don't want to play, or, or players don't want to play with them, or a coach killer. You referenced to that, and it was just funny. I, literally a few days after. Dan yeah. makes these comments. <laughs> this comes out. Yeah. And it's just... It's, look, it's... Go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it wasn't really... I don't know. Like I said, it was jarring to see D'Antoni say it. But... I guess it wasn't completely surprising. 
No, it's something everybody knew. Yeah, it was something that everybody kind of already knew that they didn't click. And, and, I mean, (laughs) it does make you think. Does this, even even the the relationship of D'Antoni and and, um, Kamel Anthony wasn't good. And now we kind of see it. And I know we're going to talk about Phil Jackson in just a minute. But it makes me question a little bit more about, is it maybe Kamel Anthony? That just does not – he's stubborn in his ways. It has to be his way or, or no other way it works. And, and it just makes me wonder if that's what's going on with him and Phil Jackson. Maybe it's not Phil Jackson. Maybe it is Carmelo Anthony being so selfish or, or – and, and this is not, again, what I think of him. I know, Chip, you already said you don't think of him this way. But it just yeah, – I can't help but think about that at, at least. And now this is coming out and – I mean, it just seems like it, when it rains, it pours from a Camelo Anthony right now. Everything about him has just been tragic over the last, you know, few months for him. But I just, I, I don't know. I don't know, Chip. What do you think? It like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're supposed to do. Look, this is my thing about it with the whole uh, Metal Phil thing. What are they supposed to do to? make him happy. I mean, since he forced the trade out of Denver, he's had uh, D'Antoni, he's had Woodson, he's had Fisher, Rambis, and now Hornacek. So he's had one, two, three, four, five coaches. He's on his fifth coach now. I mean, and none of them have worked out. I mean, you can say what you want about Jeff Hornacek. I know he's got his defenders, but... Him and Mello, it doesn't feel like they've clicked. You know, you had the report come out at the end of the season. They were yelling and screaming at each other in the locker room. I don't think they're really – and, you know, like how seriously can a, a veteran like Mello really take Jeff Hornacek when you know he's not even uh, – Hornacek's not even really in charge anyway. So yeah. it's not even really like Hornacek's calling the shots. Yeah, exactly. And, and, Chip, and, uh, let, me, let me just ask you, is – do you think this is hurting Carmelo Anthony or, or the Knicks, rather, uh, of the possibility of getting rid of him? I mean, I think it's already been known that Carmelo Anthony is difficult to work with. But when you have these comments that are being made now by another coach, it, does it make it even harder for the Knicks to get rid of Carmelo Anthony? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Phil's comments are making it harder to unload him harder for sure harder to uh get rid of get something good in return for him i mean it's just basic phil's basically calling uh saying that carmelo is a loser with the knicks so if you're saying he's a loser with your team why should uh any other team think that he's going to be a winner with them and he's He's got this guy that he's had for three years, and he's essentially telling the entire league, I just want to dump him off. But you guys should want him. I don't want him, but you guys should. And you should give me a first-round pick for him, too. Like, yeah. Why would anybody want to do that? And then the other thing that you're doing is, Mel has a no-trade clause. If anything, you should be trying to suck up to him so he can help you out. 
and let you trade him to a team that has assets. Now he's going to be a jerk to you, what she should be, and say, no, I'm picking wherever I want to go. I'm not going to Boston. I don't care that that's the best scenario for you guys. I'm going to the Clippers where you're not going to get a good pick. You're not going to get any valuable assets. And screw you. Yep. <laughs> that's what he's, And if I was him, I'd do the same thing. Yep, you know what? Because, yeah. I definitely agree with you. And just between the comments that are made by Phil Jackson and now these Dan Antonio comments, it just makes it even more impossible to get rid of this guy. I mean, you you blend in all the factors, and I know we kind of touched this on our last show, um, but, you know, the, the loss of athletic ability, um, strictly becoming a, a, just an outside shooter, not attacking the rim, um, a guy that is clearly just not winning, not able to take a team to the NBA Finals by himself, needs a lot around him, already hurts. And, and not to mention the, the massive contract that comes with him already makes it so difficult to trade him. But now when you have comments by your own president, um, by another head coach yeah. in the league, <laughs> the New York Knicks are, are, are stuck with him. And I, again, you know, we talked about it last week. The best thing for both would be for him to go. But it's just it does not seem like there's going to be end, any end in sight with Melo and the Knicks and things like this just continue to make it more and more difficult. It's we're stuck with them, Chip. Things like this cause oh, it. Yeah, absolutely. I but, don't understand. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, no, no. I was just, no, I, yeah. Um, the, uh, it's like you said, we're stuck with them. And I think the, the best way to put it is they're stuck with each other. And Phil, Phil seems more intent on holding grudges and uh, pursuing uh, pursuing grudges than building a winning team. Because if he was building a winning team, he would realize that trading Melo for assets would be the way to go. And he would notice, look what Sacramento did with DeMarcus Cousins. They ruined his trade value with all the horrible publicity they put around their trade talks and all the lying they did by coming out and saying in the press, oh, we're not trading him, when everyone knew they were going to trade him. And that's a good point. And they lied to Boogie Cousins and said that they weren't going to trade him. And I mean – Ah, yeah, you're, you're right because it did ruin the trade value for. Him. I mean, I think it was Deviac himself, the general manager of the Kings, say that we just had to take this. This was the best deal that was given to us. I remember him saying that they were better deals, but they yeah. weren't going to work out. So they just had to take the best option they got, and you know that that's that's something the New York Knicks might have to end up doing. I know you By mentioned the way, Matt, him. What was I that? I mean to interrupt you, but. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but oh, you're good. comments, like you said, Divac, uh, it's Divac made that comment where he said, you know, like he just haphazardly said it. Well, yeah, we had a better deal on the table. Like, yeah, that's, are we just supposed to accept that? <laughs> like, you made a worse deal than you could have? Yep. It's comments like that, that's the reason Phil Jackson doesn't talk to the media. Because he knows he would get caught up in a firestorm every time he did just like the press conference 
where he insulted Mello. That's why people think like, ah, I don't even want to. Ah, well, we already talked about the press conference. We don't need to go into that again. People can listen to our first podcast if they want to hear our, our comments on the press conference again. We don't need to go into that again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard not to because it's just so much happened during that, that press conference. But um, yeah, I think we're going to wrap up this second segment and we're going to move on to our last segment, which actually is going to strictly just be about Phil Jackson. We talked about so much of the Knicks organization in the first episode. Phil Jackson was somebody we did not mention, so we are going to get into Phil Jackson when we get back. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Final segment, we're going to discuss Phil Jackson, mentioned before, somebody that we didn't really get into in our first episode, but we are going to get into him right now. And Chip, what I want to know, he took over in March of 2014. And because of his winning pedigree that he had as a a player and a coach, a lot of people felt like he was going to be the one to turn the New York Knicks around. Clearly, that has not happened. There's been so much negativity with the Knicks with him. In fact, he has a worse winning percentage than Isaiah Thomas, which I never thought I would see the day. But that is the case with him. So what I want to ask you, Chip, is do you still believe in Phil Jackson? Do you think that he is still going to turn the Knicks around? Do I still believe in Phil Jackson? I don't see how anybody in their right mind could still believe in Phil Jackson. In three seasons, Phil Jackson, like you said, he's accumulated a worse winning percentage than Isaiah Thomas, which we hoped we'd never see again. In three seasons, he has a record of 80 and 166. Wow. 80 and 166, man. Come on. It just even some of the things embarrassing. The things that he did, like as the president, like his first head coach, Derek Fisher. Really? Oh God, Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher and blatant blatant nepotism with his first move as yeah, blatant nepotism with his first move as head coach, and totally blew up in his face, and just uh, bringing in Kurt Rambis too as. I don't know what some sort of spy to keep an eye on Derek Fisher too, and keeping him on this entire time. It's so weird. Like everything he does, look, he's just, we knew this when he signed on, he's a weird guy, but it's, I don't know how anyone could still have confidence in him. What has he done? To give you confidence in him. The only he thing you can say is That's it. And, and, I, and you know, he, traded on, he traded for Hernan Gomez. That, yep, that's where I was and going. I know, and he's, people, act like, people act like Ron Baker is a world beater. And Ron Baker's a nice player. And I think he's going to be on this team for a while. But are we going to give Phil Jackson? Is that 
if your defense, if part of your defense for Phil Jackson is that she signed Ron Baker as an unsigned free agent, man, that's that's sad. It is sad. Yep, that's sad. It is sad. And, and the way he, yeah, well, just the what I'm thinking about Phil Jackson is, like you said, he brings in Kurt Rambis. Why? Like you said, might be to be a spy on the team, make sure things are being done his way. Then why the heck does he not just coach the team himself? You know, he's, he goes to practice yeah. and he tries to orchestrate the triangle and, and have things done the Phil Jackson way. Why doesn't he just coach the team? And it reminds me of somebody that his, who is his rival, Pat Riley. Pat Riley becomes the, the general manager uh, or the basketball uh, president of basketball operation for the Miami Heat. And he did a similar thing. Things weren't going the way he wanted to. So Stan Van Gundy was the head coach there. He got knocked out. Pat Riley comes back in, coaches, and wins a few championships and has done an exceptional job as the basketball uh, president of basketball operation for the Miami Heat keeps them more competitive than I thought when once they lost LeBron James. I didn't think they were going to be relevant, and he continues to yeah. make sure Nobody that team. Did, yeah. yeah, they they are they're a pretty tough team. I mean, I, they started off the year so bad, but they they had a chance to make the playoffs. And when I look at Phil Jackson, right now, if you're trying to get it started, why don't you coach the team yourself? Then find somebody within the organization that will coach the team kind of the way that you want to that way you don't have to jump in and intervene go to practice i mean eric sprocher of miami heat was with them for years before he was named the head coach worked with pat riley and now he now pat riley just sits back and does pick the players and has success doing it phil jackson might be able to do the same thing so if he picks these people to be on his coaching staff I don't understand why he doesn't just coach the team and take over that way. You know, that's just what I'm thinking. I don't know if you agree with that, Chip, or, or even see where I'm going with it. Well, I, I've i wondered that too, but I, he said, I think James Dolan, when he initially came to Phil, wanted him to coach the team. And Phil turned him down, and then he offered him the basketball because of his health issues. And he offered him the basketball operations job, and I think Phil turned him down on that too. And then he just offered him a ton of money, and he finally said yes. Yes, the money money solves so, the health issues, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't think he can coach. I don't. I think that's a health thing. But my issue with it is, okay, you, if you can't coach, but you want to run the triangle, why did you hire Jeff Hornacek? Yeah. Why did you hire a guy who wasn't – and I despise the triangle and don't want it to be run. But why didn't you just give the job to Rambis or uh, Brian Shaw? Or why didn't you beg Luke Walton on your hands and knees to come to New York and run it? Exactly. Well, because he didn't want to do it. He said the triangle's garbage and the way of the NBA is the fast break and the three-point shot. But – which he will never say publicly because he respects Phil too much, but we all know that's the truth. Um, but yes, I just, what well, that's another big problem of mine of Phil's that Hornacek hiring made no sense because 
he planned to hire Hornacek and then force him to run an offense. And then he he lied, too, when he hired him and said that he was going to let Hornacek run some hybrid version of the two offenses together, and then it didn't work for a half a season, and he said, no, we're going full triangle. <laughs> I think Hornacek is just in a situation where he, he's handcuffed. He can't do anything that he wants to oh, do. Totally. How can you coach under those circumstances? You can't. He's setting up Hornacek for failure, not success, for failure. Oh, yeah. It's it's unfair. It's another situation where, honestly, I don't think Hornacek has gotten an opportunity to display his coach. I think he is a good coach, but he got the short end of the stick in Phoenix, and now he's getting the short end of the stick in New York. And it's unfair to him, and it's all by the stupidity of Phil Jackson. And it just, you know, another thing. I don't understand. Go ahead. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's all good. Uh, I, I don't understand why he's letting the same thing happen twice. This is what Hornacek, uh, this is what happened to Hornacek in Phoenix. This is the same uh, management and ownership ran right over him in Phoenix. They fired all of his assistants during the season, and then they fired him at the end of the season. I I don't know why he's letting history repeat itself. Maybe it's because he's afraid to get fired, so he doesn't want to make any waves. He especially doesn't want to make any waves with one of the greatest coaches of all time because he knows he's going to lose in a power struggle. Yep. Ah. And where I was going to transition with another area that Phil Jackson is failing at is he's, to me, and I think you would agree that he's making the Knicks a less desirable place for other players to want to come and play because he makes everybody so uncomfortable within the organization. Players, coaches, he just has just a negativity since the moment that he took over the Knicks. Do you agree with that? Do you just think that he's making New York less desirable for more talented players that can actually come in and help this team for once and make them a winning team? For sure. Think about who he's offended since he got there. He's pissed off LeBron James. Hmm. He's pissed off Dwayne Wade. And he's pissed off Carmelo Anthony. Chris Paul as well. Those are three of the most popular. And Chris Paul, yeah. Those are four of the most popular players and respected players in the NBA amongst their peers. I mean, come on. And as we know, the players and the agents hold all the power, especially when it comes to free agency. So when it comes to free agency... Phil needs to know it's a relationship game and he's got to be dealing with these agents and he needs to know that just because he's Phil Jackson, it doesn't mean that the agents are going to bow down. Exactly. Yep. And he's going to get a hard lesson this summer. I think he really is. Oh yeah. It's going to be another swing and a miss in free agency. Um, And and just what something that I think about is Phil Jackson. You can't argue with the success that he's had. Multiple championships, more of them coming as a coach. He does know the game of basketball. There, you can't argue that. Look, I mean, his success speaks for itself. But I think there is a time that everybody just seems like it, it's their time to go. And I think somebody I can compare it to is somebody like George Carl. George Carl was another fantastic right. NBA coach. And then he gets a chance with the Kings – and it was just a disaster. 
And it's because that he no longer kind of fits in today's game. Uh, he did not get along with, you know, Cousins and, and management. And, you know, look look where Carl is. He's kind of disgraced out of the NBA, especially with that dumb book that he wrote um, that, that trashed yeah. other players. But that's what I'm thinking Phil Jackson is. I, I think it's his time has come, and I think he is no longer able to produce any success in the NBA. I mean, obviously we're stuck with him, so he might be able to change it around. But the bottom line for me is I think that his time is done in the NBA. I don't think he is going to have any more success, and I think the Knicks are looking to be several more years away from being able to compete because of Phil Jackson. Would you agree with that, Chip? As long as... Absolutely. As long as Phil Jackson is running the Knicks, things will continue to go in a backwards direction. They will not be able to compete as long as he is in charge. He has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't have a plan. He's conning everybody who is supporting him. And it's, yeah, it's pathetic. I mean... He's look, he's done a great job at making people believe he knows what he's doing just by showing up and being Phil Jackson, but we have no evidence as to that he has a plan other than oh, he drafted a, a really good player. Yeah, and, and That's great. Know, he might have drafted him, but we're still not winning. And we're still in a bad yeah. position. I mean, this year alone we're drafting yeah. in the lottery. I thought we were gonna be a playoff team. And and yet here we are a lot of once again. Yeah. A lot of people did. I figured it was going to be a 43-45 win season. And you know what? I mean, for the little bit, November, early on in December, I was feeling pretty good about things. And then everything went south. And when it was going south, where was Phil Jackson? He didn't talk to the media. He didn't address the fans. He sat back and just watched it crumble. Didn't make any roster moves. Um, failed at the trade deadline to make a trade for Ricky Rubio. He did absolutely nothing. He just watched the the, the ship sink, and it infuriates me. It, it really and with all the chaos that has been surrounded with him, especially this season, why in the world would you pick up the option of his contract? Move on from him because, like you said, we are not going to win as long as Phil Jackson is in charge. And, and, and Chip, I'm going to kind of change this a little bit because it's clear how we feel. There are some yeah. people who believe in Phil Jackson, think that he can yes, still win, and, and it just blows my mind. But, Chip, you know people or, or have seen people defend Phil Jackson. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I've seen vehement Phil defenders online, on Twitter especially, they're obsessed with defending Phil Jackson. And it's really, it's strange. It's, I don't understand it. I, they're, they're blinded by this whole thing. Like, they all think that he has 11 rings, so he has a plan. And, you know, he... He's Phil Jackson, you know, don't question Phil Jackson because we all, none of us know anything. And there's this big, like, 
staying with the, uh, this uh, small group of fans on Nick's Twitter who all think, like, that the media is rooting for the Knicks to fail and that Phil should keep ignoring the media because the media is out to get Phil. <laughs> like, yeah. just, they're all such ridiculous people. They all want, like, they all support Phil and bl- blindly support Phil. Like, what reason could you have to support Phil? You know, and, and like for what he's done for the Knicks. But what you just said right there that some of these fans have said, oh, he's won 11 championships. Yes, he has. He has had success. We, we acknowledge that. But at the same time, look who he had to, to work with. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Kobe Bryant. Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, Derek Fisher, I know he made him a head coach, and that was idiotic. But Derek Fisher was a phenomenal player himself. Although, and I'm not saying that Phil Jackson benefited from having those great players because he was a great coach. But it helps when you have those players. The New York Knicks, the last time I checked, we don't have a Michael Jordan. We don't have a Kobe Bryant. And we do not have a Shaquille O'Neal. So these fans. We don't. <laughs> these fans that just sit back, that's the point that I'm making. Yes, he had passed, but I, his time has come. And like you said, people think it's the media that's just out to get Phil Jackson. No, he does that to himself. He's the one that sits there and makes these idiotic claims, these idiotic decisions. Again, I want to ask these fans or these Phil Jackson supporters, how do you feel about when the Knicks were falling apart, he sat back and said nothing, did nothing. Chip, what the, the end of the year, that press conference when he threw Kamel uh, Anthony under the bus, that's the first time that Phil Jack- uh, Jackson spoke about the state of the Knicks since the beginning of the season. I mean, how can you make yeah, a claim for him? This is what they say to that. They say, oh, Phil shouldn't talk to the media because they're out to get him. Because everything they say, they're gonna everything he says, they're gonna twist his words, and they're out to get him. And the media wants the Knicks to fail, and they want Phil to fail, and everything is the media's fault. It's nothing Phil's fault with these people. All the Phil, all the Phil cult followers, nothing's Phil's fault. He's never. They don't think the media. They don't think that. The KP blowing off hit the exit meeting story was created by the media. They're insane, these people. It it's, ah, oh, God, I, I don't, uh, like, they still defend Phil after all, the, after everything. And it's, it's, look, it gets to a point where it's actually kind of funny to read, yeah. to hear what these people are saying. But because you wonder, like, are these people being serious or are they just doing characters? But I think they're being serious. Chip, do you know what we need to do? We need to find a Phil Jackson supporter and invite them on this show. Because I would love to sit back and have a conversation with them. I would love to talk to one of them. That is our mission. That's something that we are going to have to do. we got to find a Phil Jackson supporter to come on and and, and try to make a case for him. Because – I don't see how you can. Uh, he has done nothing. This? Isaiah Thomas has won more games than him. Let me tell you him. something, though. 
these people are so irrational, so irrational. Like I'm betting, like they, when you get into arguments with them, or not even not even arguments, when you just say your own point, <laughs> they'll just say things like, "That point's stupid. That makes no sense." Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like, or like you're making my point for me, but okay, whatever. Like, okay, man, whatever. That is something we're definitely going to have to do. we got to find a Phil Jackson supporter and bring him on the show. And just, just I, I think for the humor aspect of it would be great. Um, so that is definitely going to be our mission. We're going to be looking for that. But we're going to wrap up the show today. And, um, again, we will be back next week for another edition of the Nick State of Mind podcast. Again, you can check us out uh, Check us out at the radio section of EliteSportsNY.com and just be listening and, and reading constantly of our articles because we're, we're up to date with the Knicks and the news. And, um, you know, come give us a like on social media as well. And we appreciate all the listeners that we have. And we will be back next week. Just remember again, tomorrow is the lottery. So the New York Knicks... We'll find out exactly where they will be picking. But that will do it for today. Thanks for listening.